Welcome to the Confluence of Ideas, the Confluence Investment Management Podcast. Our guest today is the firm's chief market strategist, Bill O'Grady. I'm Phil Adler, your moderator. All of us would like to make better decisions. I think we can take that for granted. There are so many decisions we make during the course of a day. Some of them don't seem to matter much, although they may have uh, wide-ranging ramifications. But some of these decisions clearly matter a lot. What about investment decisions? How do you make those decisions? Do you do them quickly? Do you put off those decisions? Do you feel a lack of confidence when you make the decisions that whatever you decide, there might be a better answer than the one you've arrived at? Why might it be a good idea for an investor to choose an investment management firm which follows a disciplined process to make his or her investment decisions? One reason may be that without a process on our own, without expert guidance, our decision-making may be lacking or even damaging. We may have an outsized opinion of our own decision-making skills, but in reality, we may often need protection from our own worst decision-making instincts. And also, it might be wise to accept that the investment world is subject to uncertainty and our decision-making should probably acknowledge that fact. So that's kind of a long preamble to our subject today, which is how decisions are made. It's really a fascinating subject. And much of our focus today will be on investment decisions, what we should pay attention to and what we should avoid. Bill, let's begin with the basic premise that it is an uncertain investment world out there. What keeps many, perhaps most, investment decisions from being foolproof? Well, no investment decisions are foolproof uh, because there is always an element of uncertainty in investing decisions. On occasion, the most poorly thought out investment decisions work out well and sometimes a well-crafted plan fails. Years ago, the financial press would select a panel of experts to pick a portfolio of stocks and compare the performance over a year to a randomly picked portfolio, the so-called dartboard portfolio. The dartboard often won. But it's important not to draw the wrong conclusion by focusing on outcomes because in the long run, process matters under conditions of uncertainty. So how do we proceed uh, acknowledging this uncertainty that, that we don't have all the facts? Well, to start, an investor must realize that every decision made is probabilistic. Uh, One of the great lines Mark Keller, our CIO, often says is that we are not uh, soothsayers. We are are odds makers. In other words, every investment decision we make carries some form of risk. Even cash carries the risk of losing value to inflation and the opportunity cost of not being in other investments. There is no real certainty in investing, but one can increase the probability of success. Essentially, every investment decision is in part an educated wager. Well, before we get into investment decisions more deeply, let's step back for a moment and consider the entire decision-making universe, including decisions that lie outside of investments. Are there decisions where luck uh, simply does not play a role? Well, there are certain games uh, checkers or chess uh, or athletic pursuits such as racing or rowing 
where there is complete certainty. In other words, there is no element of luck. Activities in a controlled environment, such as a laboratory, also fall into this category. So in a laboratory, an experimental mistake can often lead to an unexpected outcome, but when the researcher can control all the relevant variables, skill is all that matters. A related way of thinking about this issue is to consider cause and effect. In a fully controlled environment or under games that don't have an element of chance, cause can be directly linked to effect. In drug testing, the double-blind study is the gold standard for tying cause to effect. In observational studies where we watch an event occur, tying all the relevant casual factors to it can be near to impossible. In these conditions, what we believe is causal is really nothing more than accepting a narrative that describes the interaction between cause and effect. Well, moving on to areas um, where there is uncertainty, where we may not have all the facts, is it fair to say that in activities that have elements of chance, luck plays a proportionally more important role? Probably the best way to think about this is to think of it as a continuum. There are some actions like games of chance where the entire activity is luck. One of the ways to determining if, if this is the case is can a player lose on purpose if they follow the rules? So think about it. If you play the lottery, you cannot lose on purpose. Uh, you could say, well, I won't fill in all the numbers, but if you, that's not following the rules. If you follow the rules, let's say you pick one, 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 uh, or, or, you know, some combination that is seemingly silly, it can still win. So if you participate, you cannot lose a lottery on purpose. Once you leave games of pure chance, then luck plays a steadier, lesser role until one ends up at the complete opposite pole, uh, such as games of, of complete skill. Well, can we assume that in activities that are dominated by skill, a good process always wins, but in activities that have a degree of luck, a good process may not always win? That's exactly right. Annie Duke, a professional poker player who wrote the book Thinking in Bets, has two good examples. First, in poker, one can have a hand where the, that you're holding better odds of winning than your opponent, but the other player may simply get lucky. Uh, the classic example is filling an inside straight. Second, uh, she starts her book with a dramatic replaying of Super Bowl 46. Sports fans will remember this was the famous game between the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks, where the Seahawks were sitting at the two-yard line with 25 seconds left in the game. And uh, Pete Carroll, the coach of the Seahawks, called for a short pass that was intercepted by the Patriots losing the game. I went back and looked at the uh the replay of that and the, co the comments from the from the color commentator was I cannot believe that Pete Carroll made this call. What Duke does is she goes through the entire decision process and in the end actually makes a very strong case that it was a, a well thought out call. It just ended badly. Thus, this single instance of feedback from results under conditions of luck can be unreliable for determining if, if the decision-making process is sound. Should we acknowledge that in the investment world, there exists a degree of luck that cannot be avoided? 
no matter how advanced our decision-making skill might be? Yes. In investing, surprises happen all the time. The investing world is complicated. There are correlations between variables that flip signs and proportional relationships that become parabolic. At the same time, it doesn't relieve the investor from working hard to determine what the best decision path is for an investment. It's just that in any particular instance, the outcome may not be favorable no matter how much work is done. Then make this case for me. Why are skill and process so important when we consider investment decisions? Just as the probability of an outcome is high doesn't mean it's certain. I've seen situations where the odds of an outcome were 80% and still didn't work out. Well, if you step back from it for a second, if you think about it, there's still a one in five chance with an 80% probability of of an unwanted outcome. And so under one event, there is a small but not inconsequential chance of loss. That being said, if the process is used correctly to assess, to assess the odds over time, that process should lead to positive results. In other words, for any single event, it's hard to tell if a process works properly. But over multiple events, a good process should win out. Using the poker player example, betting against a player trying to fill an inside straight over time is a good practice, but not necessarily for any particular hand. And yet, just like that color commentator uh, in the Patriots-Seahawks game, we do tend to be consumed by outcomes. There's an emotional element here, isn't there? We, we like to predict the future. And so certainly on many levels, there's a tendency to fall in love with a projected outcome. This can prevent an investor to fail to see new developments that change the odds. The other problem for investors is, is if that one focus solely on outcomes, it becomes impossible to determine if the outcome is driven by skill or luck. It would be like trying to determine if a pool player is skilled by merely seeing how many shots it takes to clear the table rather than watching to see if his form is sound. If we are testing repeated games, bad form will likely be eventually ferreted out, but for one particular game, it may not. Tell me this, do you think emotion is, uh, is the enemy of wise investing? It can be. Uh, emotions are the enemy if they cloud our judgment about process. But there are other enemies to wise investing as well. Another trap is falling for narratives. A really good story can be deadly. Often investment ideas are sold on their sizzle. Currently, cannabis, for example, is a hot topic. Earlier in the decade, ethanol was a hot story. Finally, a manager who doesn't discuss how he manages money can be just as dangerous. Bernie Madoff's performance over a number of years was remarkably steady. His description of his process didn't seem to account for not just his returns, but the lack of volatility. Others tried to duplicate it without success. Well, there was a reason Bernie was so successful. He was running a fraud. You mentioned before, for multiple events, a good process should win out. Let's translate that to the investment world. When we put a financial manager to the test, obviously we're not depending or looking at just one decision, but but a period of time. What should our time frame be? In general, the longer, the better, but at, at a minimum, you should be looking at a three-year track record. Anything shorter than a three-year track record, number one, doesn't really help you determine or separate skill from luck. 
And number two, uh, it can lead to the investor making one of the classic errors of selecting management, which is, is performance chasing, where you simply chase the most recent hot manager uh, only to find out that, hey, they just got lucky. And a lot of the advertisements we see focus on performance. Yes, and one-year performance. What are some other useful guidelines for an investor who's considering placing assets with a management firm? A methodology should be understandable. It doesn't have to be simple, but it should be explainable. In that way, one should be able to determine market conditions that will lead to underperformance. Black box investing methods are always troublesome because it may not be possible to figure out why things go awry. Finally, in the due diligence process, talking to the managers makes sense. You should find a healthy degree of humility because, as we know, pride goeth before the fall. Thank you, Bill. This has been the Confluence of Ideas featuring Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady. While we conclude today's podcast with this look at general guidelines in a future discussion, we will examine more closely the particular investment process followed by Confluence Investment Management. And one last thing we mentioned during this discussion, the Annie Duke book, Thinking in Bets. And Bill, you have put together a reading list that includes this book for uh, investors, and you can find that also on the Confluence Investment homepage. I did happen to read that book, and I do like, in particular, one quote from Annie Duke. Uh, she says, outcomes are not necessarily good signals for decision quality. We should deconstruct decisions before an outcome is known. Our reports are based on sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. We wish to state that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. We want to remind you before we go that many Confluence of Ideas podcasts focus and expand on themes presented in the firm's weekly geopolitical report as well as the daily comment and other research articles written by the firm's experts. You can access these reports on the front page of confluenceinvestment.com, and it is an easy step to subscribe by email to any of these reports. Our engineer for these discussions is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler. Our website is confluenceinvestment.com. You can find us on Twitter at confluenceim.